podcast about game development and the diverse people who make it. My name is Ash, and I'm an environment artist in North Carolina, USA. And my name is Jasmine. I'm a 3D environment artist from Cologne, Germany. Today's special guest is Yaz. They work at C77 Entertainment, but they have previously worked at Oculus and Epic Games. Thanks for coming on today. Hello. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> That's fine. It's no. cool. Everything's fine. No, we're super hyped to have you here, especially as our first guest of 2021. That's oh, wow, we made it. Like exactly. We all made it to 2021. Yes. <laughs> so I didn't even think about that. Oh. Yeah, it just feels like an endless loop. Just I don't know. I guess we need a new number for these past years <laughs> with the pandemic. <laughs> it's 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 2020 extended edition is what it exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's all one big year. One big and year. And we all get two birthdays after the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so good. We deserve that <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But yeah, for our listeners who don't know us yet, um, and we are super keen to hear more about that too, we really want to know what actually got you into the industry. Is there like a moment where you were like, okay, now I've found my true calling, this is what I want to do, and um, what was like your entire path from back when you started to now where you are, basically? Yeah, so... Um, obviously I think like most children, uh, I grew up playing video games. I loved them. Uh, I was very lucky that I had a stepdad who was the first person who's like, here's your Game Boy. You know, I'd never had one before. So yeah, I was super into games as a kid. And then as I got a little older, I got my I upgraded to like PlayStation three. And then the moment that I was like, Oh, there are two moments. One was I was obviously super into guitar hero. This was PlayStation two. And I bought like the super mega special edition because at the time I also play like guitar in my free time. So this was like the perfect mesh of stuff. Um, and so they had this like documentary on games in there and like how they made guitar hero and i loved it so much watching it i was like i want to be a game artist because i also like made stupid comics and stuff as a kid like i really liked the whole art thing and my mom was like they don't make a lot of money and i'm like okay like that kind of sucks whatever but then the ps3 came out and then i was playing uncharted and nathan drake falls in the water and then he like gets out of the water and his pants are like wet and that was like it (laughs) i was like whoa wait i've never seen that that's so (laughs) iconic because before that that, i think a lot of that moment was for people when they played like shenmue Mm -hmm. when you could like interact with so many things like i had that moment maybe because i'm younger or something with like the uncharted series and so that's when i like super went into like how do i get into Mm -hmm. games like i want to know why that happened and i started like messing around in unity as a teenager and i was like this is sick and so then i got into college and i went to it it wasn't like a a great school or anything Mm -hmm. um but i knew i wanted to do like game art um I didn't know that they were like such specialized things. So I was kind of like a generalist going into college. Um, And 
in an ideal world, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll just like make cool ideas and have other people, you know, expand on that, like concept art type stuff, but that's not realistic. Um, it's very difficult to get in. And my parents were very pushing me um, not to pursue something creative. Uh, classic Persian parents. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was like, no, I'm doing this. Like games, you know, can allow me to work in like boring stuff like simulation, which I found out actually isn't boring. Um, because then in college, I, I just got super involved in the, the community um, I was like the president of our game dev club, oh, just nice. complete dork. <laughs> and then I got an internship with a, a simulation company um, that I won't go into specifics of what they did, but I did tech art stuff mm -hmm. and I did just general, like 3D generalist stuff. Uh, and it was super fun. And I was like, okay, I think like tech art's a good middle ground for someone because it's the least risky and it's very wanted. So I'm going to try to specialize in this. Uh, and then, you know, I was applying to other places. I actually almost went to Crystal Dynamics, but um, that was a whole thing. And then I realized that, well, I guess what happened was, was I found out that someone who worked at the simulation company I was an intern at was looking for a production assistant at Epic. And my dream was to work at Epic Games. Like I was a huge Unreal Engine nerd. We used Unreal Engine at that uh, simulation studio. Um, it was huge. Tim Sweeney is like my like favorite develop. Like if people have favorite developers, Tim Sweeney is like we would joke he's like a game father. You know, like Todd Howard is a game <laughs> father. So Tim Sweeney was my game father. I love that man. He's amazing. <laughs> and so I. I was like, screw everything else that I'd been applying to. Like, I will scrub toilets at Epic. Oh. Like, I want to make it there. And so I applied. Sorry, it's like a long story. No. So I applied and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, this is pretty good. And um, my friend who was working there is like, well, they're looking for someone who's like, this is kind of a technical position. So we want someone who like understands the engine and can help work with engineers. And I love engineers. I love working with engineers. I, artists are great. They're just very emotional. <laughs> uh -oh. and engineers, and engineers are like, like there's no like chit chat. There's no like, how's your day? It's just like, did you get this done? And it's like, okay, cool. Like next, you know, I, it's great. It's great. So I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. I'd love to like work with engineers. And so they thought I was a good fit because of my technical background. And so I was like Epic's first ever production assistant. That oh. concept did not exist until they hired me because they wanted like juniors. Mm -hmm. um, I thought the job would be more technical. Um, and it was incredibly challenging at times because I ended up working on obviously Fortnite, but primarily unreal engine and some of the issues there are just very abstract mm -hmm. like understanding you know who needs to put together what to make a feature happen can be very very scary because it's just like all these connections and and you know i'm not a programmer by trade so there's stuff that i'm just not going to know i'm not like a senior engineer or anything so um yeah it was challenging it was great um i felt like i grew out of the position and so I left and kind of like graduated and went to Oculus. Um, 
and I came to the realization that after all these years of thinking AAA was for me, like I, everyone was always like, yeah, this is such a AAA person. Like she'll die in crunch. Uh, I was like, you know, you know what? I kind of miss the wearing all hats thing. Like I kind of miss the, like, I want to do everything. Um, and I miss the challenge of that. And, and so I, I now I'm at C77 entertainment, which is a team of primarily X Halo devs. Um, and artists, and I'm having a blast. I'm the only producer, which is really nice. Because um, at Epic, after I was at Epic before Fortnite exploded, and everyone knew each other. The building, it was like we all fit in like one building. Um, everyone was on a first name basis. Like it was a big family. And then when Fortnite happened, it like exploded, and there are just people I don't know in the halls, and people telling me to do stuff, and I'm like, I don't even know who you are, and it. It was really bizarre, and I didn't like that. I liked the, like, pre-era. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went back to that. That's really... Sorry. I don't mind. That was super interesting, because the thing is, um, I heard always of producers, and in my internship, we also had a producer, but it's not like a role where you, um, especially when you're at university, you don't really think about becoming a producer. Maybe I'm sure there are people who do, but it's, like, really interesting to me how you um, adjusted to it, like, so easily in a way or was it easy does it just sound like you um like kind of grew into this role so well or did you ever like think about going into this when you were at university already or did it just come to you because at epic they offered you this very unique position that's a really good question um yeah i didn't think i would be a producer i was like if i'm ever a producer it's because i'm like old and i'm retiring and i'm done making content <laughs> um but because of just the timing of everything and my personal goals of just the location I wanted to work at, um, I grew into that, yeah, producer position. I, I was always kind of like, I don't want to say bossy, but like always people were like, what do I do? And I'm like, all right, you're doing this, you're doing, like, I always naturally was like that. Yeah. Um, then being in a professional setting made me better at that because I definitely wasn't good at it. And now it's actually crazy. I was just thinking the other day of how much I've just changed as a person because of being a producer. Like even in life, I'm like ridiculously organized now. Whereas before I'd be like, ah, whatever. Ah, I'm so stressed out. And now I'm like, no, we're going to produce this. It's going to be great. You know, we're going to get your groceries and pick up your laundry. Oh, and, you know, <laughs> that's, like, all that's such a great skill to have. Like, do you have any like quick tips that we could even apply to our own life? Because yeah. like, um, I don't know, like how I'm... for you, Ash, but being an artist, like you try to be organized and you like set up a plan for yourself. Yeah, but like... following that is like another. Question. It's hard. Yeah, I won't. Hard. I won't show you guys what's out of frame in this camera, but. <laughs> I'm I'm very disorganized. Like I I'm more like the kind of person where I'm okay with living in disorganization, but there's a threshold that gets met, and then once that threshold gets met, then I'm like I have to clean and organize and get rid of things, and then after that, I'm good for another like three months until it gets back to the same place. I'm definitely <laughs> not like like even even my uh, desktop is very disorganized, but we won't talk about that because this isn't about me. You know, like this is about like disorganization. <laughs> it's just like I, <laughs> it's just like my energy is spent doing other things. It is used for creative ventures and podcasting and language study. That's what I use my energy for. Cleaning, not as much, you know. Um, so yeah, 
I'm I could probably use a little bit of uh, <laughs> production know-how to keep my life in check um, a little bit more. Um, I, I actually wanted to know, like, um, what kind of skills do you think are kind of like paramount slash really important for people who are wanting to kind of like be in a similar position to you? Um, like what kind of things do you see being the most important or things that are just like less desirable, any sort of like notes like that would be kind of interesting to hear. Right. Right. So there's actually, there are, there's so many GDC talks on this, but there's like, I, okay. Complete transparency. I used to think producers were like, it was the dumbest job, like a waste of time. Like, why do you need someone to be mommy? Like for, you know, how many years of development? I just didn't get it. Now I get it because it's exactly what you said, which is um, you need someone to take on the the burden or like the energy <laughs> of corralling and, and organizing. Otherwise, no one's on the same page. So the biggest thing that I would recommend or say that you need to be good at is obviously communication, which is like such a soft skill, but soft skills are so obscure that they're hard to develop. Um, I don't think organization is necessarily a big one because the community, anytime I've had any issue on a project, it's because some communication wasn't made. Mm. Um, so communication is obviously like just so obvious, huge. But then the second one is like, <laughs> I hate this word, but you have to be like a people person. <laughs> so like going on my team, I know not to ask this person a question at 1130 because they haven't had their second coffee. And then I know that at two, this person you know, goes into hardcore focus mode. So I need to ask everything before that. And then like, you know, this other type of person, um, I have to ask him how his day is before I start talking about work. But then the other guy is the complete opposite. He doesn't give a shit. He wants to, oh, sorry, can I say uh, naughty words? Um, it's fine. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, We're all grown-ups. <laughs> Damn. This other person doesn't, doesn't want to hear about that. Yeah. He just wants to know what he needs to do and and he likes just being told what to do and he'll get it done. And I and that's like obviously my favorite type because I I do have time to like joke around and and stuff. I, I love that. I hate being serious, but sometimes you just gotta get it done because it's just been a Get in and get out. <laughs> yeah. And it's just too much going on. And so yeah, you're like you have to be the person that's thinking about the organization and communication flow so they don't have to mm -hmm. so you're like you're all doing this and everyone's just like okay like i don't have to worry about that i trust that yaz is making these decisions because mm -hmm. they're the best for the team or whatever that's really interesting to have like that kind of um relationship with the people in the team there's like a lot of like psychology even going into it so it would be like important i guess to um be able to read people like you described that's super interesting i didn't even think into that direction but it's great to have you as like a coordinator and a person who can solve things when somebody's like completely lost <laughs> yeah I feel like people like that just really will like make the difference also because yeah. they are like empathetically like in tune to what's happening with you like it make I feel like it would make such a huge difference and like you know um not even thinking about like um like in a work sense but even just like if you had someone on a team in like a school project or whatever to be in tune with you so they know that like, yeah. like, like, 
Ash doesn't like to be communicated with this way, you know, like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like really yeah. makes a huge difference. And, it, yeah. and, yeah. and it really is overlooked because I think sometimes people want to um, do things kind of their way, maybe yeah. like they feel like they know what's best for like the whole when in reality, it's like, no, you actually kind of have to treat people like, like, yeah, you're, you are a group and you are a team, but people are still like, you know, individuals and Mm -hmm. you do have to like watch out for them as people as well yeah yeah constantly reading the room you know Uh, such an underrated skill by the way reading the room like so often I am like I won't say that I'm the best at reading the room all the time but I think that so often I'm in like conversations in like a large group chat or whatever where I'll feel the shift in like tone of a conversation and then I'm immediately like okay how do we balance this out this is getting really really like tense we can't go here because someone's right. gonna get hurt yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right, that's right. me that's totally me or like or um if we're playing I'm gonna expose my friends for two seconds if we're playing Overwatch right. sometime um like like understanding that some people are getting like kind of tilted then I'll try to be the person who's not as tilted sometimes you know like just like i don't know like being observe observant like that i think is it's really cool and important i'm really glad that you mentioned that because would love to see more people do that i was also Um, so i was just wondering (laughs) just something small because you said at uh, university um your course was more general which is always the case i guess with a lot of game dev courses in your opinion, do you think um, it'd be interesting to have like a producer-focused course even somewhere for students to like maybe know about this role more or even to get some of the soft skills that you explained? Because I feel like at uni, um, you do group work, but a lot of times it's not really like explained to people how to work well in a group. Like you're just kind of thrown into the deep end and then these people get out of university and they have stro- like they struggle to even work in a group maybe because they haven't really learned that do you think there was maybe something at your university that kind of supported that do you think there should be maybe more done also already in an educational level that's a that's also a really good question um yeah so i i'm very lucky that my program did have we had several amazing professors Mm who were very like we're gonna teach this as if you are in a studio and so uh, they did assign producer type roles. They did explain like what the producer did, but what I really liked, and I know this is going to sound hoaxy, but they did teach like agile and scrum, oh, awesome. you know, yeah. discipline. And that was fantastic because uh, we, we all had an idea kind of of how things work. I actually didn't totally get it until I was in a studio setting where we used like agile and scrum. And, and that's when it, it it clicked like I was like okay I get why they do this and then I I introduced that back to my classmates mm-hmm. um and so like that's kind of how we all worked um and it's hard because that click didn't happen until I was in a real world setting and I don't know if you can have a course for production because I it is something you can get better at it's something I've significantly improved at but I I don't know if if it'll ever truly feel the same until you're in that setting, I guess is what I'm saying. But it was super helpful. We learned obviously like about Gantt charts and burn down charts and like, 
you know, your scrum board mm-hmm. and all of that. And, and that was great. Um, but I guess I wouldn't know how to take that to the next level because the reality of it is when you're in school, like a lot of, like I had a full-time job while I was in school. So I, I couldn't dedicate more than a certain number of hours and some other people had like two jobs. And so it was just like, you can't have a full producer role. You'd have to be like a producer, but also a programmer or something. Um, so yeah, that's a really great question. I know they talked about it too. They were like, should we do a producer track? Oh, really? and, that's- yeah. And actually the grad school connected to my undergrad, cause they do have a grad um, game dev mm-hmm. program and I know they have a producer track, but they make the producers also specialize in like level design yeah. or something. <laughs> I feel like most producers I meet were, were something before that, which mm-hmm. I think is really important. So they understand the dev process. Um, so most producers I've met were either like a programmer or like an artist before. Oh, so that's, that's probably why they emphasize like not having a producer role. But yeah, it seems I guess like it would be can... really helpful to have someone with a little bit of experience somewhere else yeah. to like mm-hmm. then get put into production because then you like have a more in depth sort of understanding of what like that department is going to be working with or whatever, yeah. as opposed exactly. to maybe yeah. someone just being a complete outsider or whatever coming in and doing True. things. I can see that. Yeah. That was like a huge issue when. Um, so after Fortnite exploded, they just, you know, they, the reality of it was, is it's a huge product and they have to keep hiring so that they could support it. And so they did end up hiring a lot of people who didn't really have a technical background and I struggled working with them. I'd have to like, instead of just saying a couple words and then someone who used to be a programmer or something, they'd like understand what I'm saying. I'd have to like spend some time to like break it down and explain Mm. why we can't do something and they'd be like oh okay because they didn't have that background it was really difficult and so i i emphasize having like some skill or trade so that you get the process or where you would be in that process Mm. um so kind of moving on to uh our next topic a little bit um probably just take it talking a little bit more about production and production roles um i well you may have touched on it a little bit before um trying to keep up in my brain but uh i kind of wanted to know um what's like a typical day as a producer like like a day in the life like how do you start your day how do you end your day yeah anything like that yeah well my now it's a lot different um at at epic it was very time consuming. It's like my phone was always going off. It'd be three in the morning and I'd like get a message from someone that's like, can you do this like right now? And I'm like, uh, like why does like the servers in Brazil have to react this way right now? Like now I have to deal with this. Um, it was really, really tiring. Uh, but now a typical day because I work at a no crunch studio, um, is that, you know, try to I'll like try to like break it down otherwise I don't know (laughs) um obviously I wake up uh we usually start our day with stand-up in the morning and I'll run that um and the the reality of it is if if I wasn't there people would just be like all right we're all doing this and then they'd separate Mm -hmm. but I have to be like 
okay, so you're doing this with this person, right? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm writing that down. It better be done by the end of the day. And then, okay, so you need to talk to this person, right? And they're like, yes, I'll talk to them after this. I'm like, great. Because if I don't do that, people just kind of go off into their own little worlds. And with with COVID-19, it's really difficult to make sure those side conversations keep happening because we're all remote right now. Whereas- right and so when we're in the office it's just like oh let's hop into this meeting room for a a quick sec but we don't have that so I have to be super on top of like all those little conversations so yeah first in the morning it's straighten out everything that needs to happen because there has to be someone to do that it sounds insane right you'd be like oh we're all adults like we could totally oh no no. No. (laughs) even more so why you probably need to do that because I feel like since people are adults and they feel like pretty independent or whatever it's just like ah oh, you know i could just exist in my little yeah. quarter but it's good to have someone like you being like actually <laughs> yeah it's, it's so insane well when i first started in production i didn't know that people <laughs> sounds bad i didn't know that people were so bad at being organized with mm-hmm. their tasks so i would just trust that they would do it and i'd feel bad like i was babying them but then i'm like no wait, that's my job like i have to be the person who sees the big picture because they're all focused like laser focused on these little things so yeah after stand up the rest of my day is like emails emails email no i'm kidding um <laughs> i do answer a lot of emails um but it's mostly i'll i'll always look at the big the big picture mm-hmm. the big schedule and make sure that we're like on the right timeline and everything that we're doing in the next few weeks makes sense. Um, it's never that smooth. So then the rest of my day is making sure we're all on the same page about that. And I'll get tons of little messages from people being like, Oh, I'm unclear about this or, Oh, I don't think this person knows this thing. And then, or like, I need to do this other thing. And then I'm like, Oh wait, that other thing requires us talking to four other people. Let's make sure we do that. And it's a lot of connecting the dots because people don't have time to do that. I need to make sure that doing that um, because we're a smaller studio. I also deal with like a bunch of other little side things like legal stuff or contracty stuff or um, right now I'm trying to figure out publishing stuff. And so that takes up a lot of my time. And so I guess I would define that as like, getting answers for other people who don't have time to get those answers (laughs) um yeah yeah and then just like little meetings throughout the day it would be so different if we were in an office to be Mm -hmm. honest because you hear the conversations and you're all kind of on the same page in the same room um but it feels like I'm on like a huge team just because Mm -hmm. it's so hard to communicate stuff right now yeah for sure like in a in a if you were all in the same building it's so much easier to be like oh I need to talk to Ash I'll just pop over and see them and like stop her before she starts another sculpt or whatever (laughs) and ask her this question but when it's like remote it's like okay I send a message and hopefully someone sees it because you know like when you're working on stuff like you can be this deep in the zone and exactly. forget about all of your notifications yeah. and then you see you see that Yaz messaged you two and a half hours ago and <laughs> you feel bad because now it's like oh no you needed to know this two and a half hours ago like I can't imagine um like being on the other end of that. oh no <laughs> 
Well, no, I don't hate it because people take forever to respond. Yeah. I hate it because they feel so bad having them. Like, I don't know what they're doing. So I'm mm. not sure if they're at like a stopping point. So I can't like, oh, if we were in the office, it's like, oh, he got up to grab a coffee. Let me go catch him during this time. But if I see him like super focused, like in the zone, like, you know, sculpting away or concepting, you know, I'm like, all right, this isn't the time. But I feel so bad, like messaging them being like, hey, <laughs> funny gift, like to entice you. Like, oh, no. you <laughs> I, do, I do wonder, though, does it, did it like get easier over the past year? Or is it like still at a point where you think, oh, I still wish we would be in the back in the office? Or is it like getting maybe that people are being a bit more aware of that they need to be more present on Slack, for example, have it open on another right. window at all times. Or do you think it's not like in people's head yet because it's still such an unusual thing to be in? I think it's a, a balance almost because some people have, have been better at it like I have one person on my team and I love that he does this because it's like almost like real life but he'll just call me when he needs something mm. and I'm on my computer so I just like answer whereas other people are still like in the same situation they're, they're very focused when they're working when they're at home they're like super in the zone understandably um, and so it's just hard it'll always be difficult to get someone's attention who who just that's their job they have to work that way um, so yeah, I, I think it's 50, 50. Some people have adjusted. Some people haven't, I think in an ideal world, we would do like a flex schedule, which we're talking about now where, you know, half of the week, we're all in the office on those important days, but then we've designated like Wednesdays, for example, as like a no meetings allowed day, which obviously doesn't apply to me, but everyone else is like allowed to be focused in the zone. We're not talking about it today. It's tomorrow problem. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is great because I, I love that day in a lot of ways. because that's when I'm not bothered by other people. So I can get like, you know, I can clean up our tasks and go through our bugs and reprioritize things and get in the zone. And, and so I think, yeah, in an ideal world, we would just be working from home a few days a week, but then have that social interaction for those needed like connections that are lost. That honestly sounds ideal. So many people, I feel like um, especially if you're on the more introverted side, having the ability to have both, I feel like would help yeah. a lot of people or help people who have social anxiety problems, for example, like knowing yeah. that like, oh man, I have to spend a couple days around people and then I can like prepare like coping yeah. mechanisms or whatever to help me get through those days. But also knowing that I could come home and work from here in my pajamas with my cat. I feel like that would help the mental health of a yeah. lot of people because like you know it's kind of like a big topic right now since every well not everyone but you know like a lot of people in a lot of different industries are working from home now but there are still the people who are like oh I miss the office and then other people are like you know like no I, I kind of prefer working from home but I think that if you had you know more options to kind of help people I think it would help retain people a yeah. little bit more maybe um, sure. but then just make companies like a better place to work at, you know, like, yeah. that sounds great to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Sure. You need those days to like prep, like even before we do stand up, I spend like 10 to 15 minutes just organizing all my thoughts. Cause I just woke up. I'm all over the place. I'm 
not really organized by nature i have to force myself to be um yeah so, yeah you do need those like moments away where you yeah. can be secluded to figure stuff out i agree yeah you know uh hopefully we'll we'll see a, a bit more of that in the future because i again like i do think it'll be like really really beneficial yeah. like like there's people like me you know who enjoy people love being around people and then there's people who do just as great work but they kind of just want to not be around people right now and i feel like we should be accommodating those kinds of people more um kind of another question that i had for you um which again like we may have talked about this already like this job that you're doing right now um how does it present different challenges in comparison to other things you've done? Like, and this can be like in comparison to where, like the, the place that you're working now, as opposed to previous places you've worked or even um, just like how you started work in the industry versus like production, like anything like that um, would be cool to hear. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. Um, Hmm. Well, I've never worked during a pandemic before. So well, there's <laughs> one thing. <laughs> the, there's one thing. <laughs> it, okay, the, the biggest challenge, uh, and it's maybe it's unique to, to our current situation, but I had left Oculus. I, I went on like a fun employment thing. So I like didn't work for a couple months because I'm like, I need summer camp break. Like I need that. Yeah. Um, so I did that before I went to C77 and um, then I was at C77. I think it was hmm, March. And then two weeks late, I, I met everyone, you know, I, they're, they're all still pretty new to me. The team is new. And then like two weeks later, we've been in quarantine ever since. Oh no. And <laughs> right the challenge there was like i have to like emotionally connect with these people because i need to tell them like give them direction yeah. without upsetting them right and, and yeah. i have to do that now like with this like technology barrier whereas at like epic or oculus it's so easy just making friends your first mm. you know month you know at the end of the month everyone knows you you have jokes everyone's cool you're all the same wavelength that didn't happen. I, I mean, <laughs> not that it didn't happen. I, my team and I, like, we all love each other and we're very, we're actually like super close. Like we're also just oh. like friends, which is awesome. Um, but it was awkward you know, for a while being like, oh, please like me. Like, <laughs> like we ended up hiring people that we've never seen in real yeah. life. Like it's, it's like even harder then, but I've actually, those people have gotten very close to me because I, I don't know. It's just crazy how, you know, you, you gravitate to like support emotional support from certain people. Yeah. And I was really happy that I could be that person for some people and I haven't even met them. It's like, awesome, you know? And so that was really hard, <laughs> but I, to actually answer your question, um, I think the bigger the organization, the harder the communication gets, like oh. insanely hard. Uh, yeah. so, like at Epic, before Fortnite, if I wanted to get something done, I'd talk to two people. And then Fortnite happened, it took nine people <laughs> to get something really simple out of the way. And now that I'm back on a smaller scale, 
I only talked to like one person. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's so it's fantastic because the the bigger companies, the tiniest little change is going to ripple across all these other people, or you have to get approval from like crazy high stages, and it's just like so insanely difficult to get like the most. Like I had to change a word on like a website once because there was someone had a typo, and it took like. 10 people and the legal team and the marketing team and i'm like i just just need you to fix this word i didn't even write it it's just wrong and i need to sure the person did that typo was like i I don't know who did that typo i didn't cause all this mess oh it's like insane like guys like we once had like a meeting about whether something should be a circle or a square and that was like this whole thing and i'm like just make it a freaking square like i don't care we'll fix it late like ah this is this is an expensive meeting we have like the head of this guy and the head of tech and the lead you know artists like yeah, this meeting probably costs like half a million dollars every second. Like, oh my god, <laughs> like a bit out of a sitcom. You couldn't even make yourself. <laughs> like, Honestly, and you're just sitting there, kind of being like, like, like stuck in your own body, watching things happen. And you're like, oh no, because <laughs> there's people in like higher positions who like threw together the meeting. I wish like people understood. Like, there needs to be, like, a meeting cost. I think there is, like, a meeting cost Mm. calculator, but it has, like, a timer, and you put everyone's, like, estimated salary, and then, like, it'll tell you how expensive the meeting was. Oh, no. (laughs) That's why you have a producer. (laughs) Because people get off on tangents, and you're like, nope, nope, this is, we have, like, the head of engineering here. We can't keep it. (laughs) Oh man, like that's I'm kind of reeling thinking about such a situation actually. <laughs> Just any it's sort of thing. time where you put like a dollar amount on something is like, can we please not bring money into this? <laughs> I don't want to know. Yeah, like like that pressure for sure is on in that in in that certain situation. Um but yeah, what a what a day as a producer, honestly. Like it, it seems like you would be busy basically like busy bee all day. Like to me, like like obviously like artists and things have a lot of things to do, but the person like corralling everyone, I don't know how you have the brain space, really, because I don't I barely <laughs> yes. I barely have the brain space for myself and my and you know, like 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 I'll do like enough you know like um like writing things down like the basic basic things but like writing things down for five people or 10 people and 15 20 people or whatever that's a lot of work um and and I have no idea how you keep it together honestly in your brain <laughs> that's that's I insane will... <laughs> yeah i i will add that like oh shoot what was i gonna say oh yeah in an ideal world you like wouldn't need a producer like if everyone's perfect if everyone's constantly communicating and coming to the same agreement all the time and everyone shares the same vision and everyone knows the budget like 
You won't need a producer. You don't need a producer. That's why Naughty Dog doesn't have a producer. Like they, they don't have producers. They don't need it. Um, but that's why they crunch so much because mm-hmm. there isn't someone being like, okay, if you really want to get this done by this time, I really think we should like do these things first or we should cut this completely or, you know, or, oh, wait, before we do this, we need to do this. Otherwise that's going to, you know, block mm-hmm. these other people like for three months or yeah. something. So yeah, that's why, that's why I need a producer because no one's perfect. No, I, think I so wish. And I'm- <laughs> because management skills are like a whole thing in itself. Like you can't expect everyone to have like the art skills and design skills and that's, and then like management, that's like a whole thing that you can yeah. even like go into and having somebody being responsible for that and not having that extra pressure on you while you have to work on other things. Uh, it's amazing. And I hope to have some, like a good producer on a project. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. That's like a yeah. must have, I think, which maybe many people not think about if they're just going to work as an artist or a designer or something on a project. They're not going to think, oh, I hope I have a good producer. But then when you get there <laughs> and there's nobody to like plan these things, you can't just throw into the deep end. It's, um, yeah then you realize that yeah. you really need somebody to be responsible for that big trauma. Oh, yeah, there's only, I, I always say there's only really, really good producers or really, really bad producers. <laughs> I've only oh, ever met no. really, really good or really, really bad. And um, obviously I'm like really good. But <laughs> <laughs> all jokes aside, I, I, it's one of those skills or it's a switch. You either mm-hmm. can do it or you can't. Yeah. And it's, that's the reality of it i mean it's like any other i think a lot of skills are like that but that's true sure sure i'm sure the team that you are currently on is very thankful for your presence Uh, and i hope hope that all all the i hope that all the good producers are getting nice gifts and and gift baskets and treats (laughs) send them all um, the good vibes truly (laughs) keeping keeping the ship uh from from sinking out here in these streets uh so yeah uh we're gonna stop right there for now and take a short break talked about how Yas entered the industry and what it's like working as a producer and we got a lot of super interesting insights into what her day looks like and um, next I was very interested to maybe talk to you a little bit about um, what kind of art you enjoy because you mentioned that um, during university and also in between that that you worked inside Unity and Unreal by yourself but I also saw you have like a lot of cool artwork on your website and did, like all these little games on itch.io so um yeah i just wanted to like talk a bit what this art like includes that you enjoy doing how it might inspire you yeah um i like making art <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can get yeah, next topic. Wow, <laughs> we can, we're good. Next topic, let's go. um yeah i i love 3d art i i obviously went through that like low poly like cute 3d phase that i think a lot of artists go through um like minimalist stuff and then i got super into like materials 
like in Unreal and making like crazy materials, making sure they look good, like the whole like PBR pipeline and and all of that. Um, which is how I, I got really interested in like the tech art stuff. I really, I was like, oh, you can make some cool shaders and all that. This is really neat. And if I change this value, then I can like expose this and now you can make it all twisty or whatever, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I, I really enjoyed because I liked, you know, basic game development and I liked art. So I liked that bridge that was created. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I, I always did like, traditional art like in school um we did have to take like studio art classes and those are some of my favorite because it's like I'm sure the two of you have had to take like traditional classes at some point and you're like in this like you know super quiet room you might (laughs) hear someone cough there's like a naked person you know Mm -hmm. in the middle of the room and you're just like in the zone like going at it so I really really love that and so yeah in my free time Um, I do like freelance illustration and stuff. I hadn't been able to do that before because other places I'd worked didn't allow their employees to do freelance. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been really taking advantage of that with my current studio. They're wonderful. They're like, absolutely do whatever you want outside of your work hours. You know, what happens after work stays, you know, there. (laughs) Um, And I found that I tend to make a lot of work. And I think the, the two of you definitely probably relate but you probably make a lot of stuff when you're like feeling something you know yeah. you're like I just need to shove these emotions yeah. somewhere else <laughs> and so yeah like culturally like you know Jasmine and I are both Iranian and there's always something going on on that side of the world yeah. <laughs> I'm always feeling stuff, and so I'm always creating stuff based around my background and and I don't live close to my family and so it's like the best way to connect with them um so yeah I do enjoy making both 2D and 3D art and the the last 3D type thing I'd been working on was um well originally I was making like this whole super intense material library for myself so that I could reference and like side projects for fun. And then my friend was like, yo, what if we made like a PS1 style game and everything looked Ooh. awful? And I'm like, that's <laughs> sick. Like, let's do that. PS1 graphics are so cool, honestly. <laughs> like my favorite I, aesthetic. Yeah. We got super into investigating why it looks the way it does, what causes the popping. And so like, I, I wrote like a little shader that, oh. you know, mimics that. Yeah. And that was super fun. Um, and it was originally in Unreal. Now we're we've decided to continue it in Unity just for fun. And the the name of the game is like it's called the Animal Knife Fight, and you play as yes, probably <laughs> yes. on Twitter. Yeah, so good. <laughs> you play as these tiny animals with like different knives and different weapons, and so I'm just like going through and making all the animals, and I like rigged and animated them, and I, I don't want to show too much because mm-hmm. it's more exciting when it's like here's everything. <laughs> so, but that's really? been like my passion project, like games wise, and then on the side I do like painting and illustration. Um, I have like a project um, that I might be working on that uh, you guys might find interesting. There's like this brewery in brooklyn run by two iranian women and so they needed help like design like with some illustration stuff and so i'm like helping them out there and 
I don't know. It's been a blast. Quarantine's been great. <laughs> That'd be so great to see. Like, I think it's so inspiring that you let your cultural background be influenced in your art too. And I want to do something similar as well, because there is so much you can draw from that. And because we also not really see it much in media, like we touched upon that in another podcast with Jerris, who does a lot of uh, African inspired art. Um, it really like makes me think that we should do more of that for our cultures too and like when I saw one of your paintings on your website I was like very like Iranian like also like these old paintings you see and it was very pretty and cute I I love that it made me think oh I want to do something like this too but how like do you start to like do something like that in a respectful manner and like that people appreciate it and you know that's uh, do you have like a I don't know, like a way you approach it or like, do you talk even to relatives about it maybe and like show them the <laughs> stuff you do, what they think about it or anything in that way? <laughs> so there's like super sensitive about, I don't know, my, my family history is they were all before my grandmother, mm-hmm. like skipped my grandmother and went to my mom because she's a painter. Mm-hmm. But before that, they were all these like super emotional artists that like oh. had these tragic backgrounds. Duh. So they're like, they're really sensitive about it when I'm like, oh, I'm thinking of like starting a new painting. And they're like, oh, like why? You know, like why must you be this way? And they're like, oh my God, you're so annoying. <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, I just take what I, um, it, uh, it's it's kind of I don't know if I can explain it but it's like I feel this thing I have this concept I've wanted to experiment yeah. with like there's a lot of like weird color stuff I've been in- enjoying um weird color and lighting stuff and like interpreting that in in like a unique way I guess and mashing that together and figuring it out I don't have a process I don't like I might come up with like um, like a thumbnail or something just to make sure the idea works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll have like a reference. I think it, it's no one. I, I remember when I learned artists work with reference, my life changed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I always have a reference. Yeah. Um, and then I'll, I'll trace it out. Like my thumbnail, basically I'll blow it up and retrace it on the canvas and then get to work. Do you think it like helps you also in your job as a producer? Um, does it give you like new perspectives or like even like spikes of like inspiration to do things differently in your job there? Um, I do enjoy working with uh, the engineers a lot because of their like black and whiteness, <laughs> but I am emotional. I think all artists are emotional. Yeah. And so those days when someone's like, I'm not feeling it, I'm feeling things. I'm not a hundred percent. I feel, I like completely get it. I'm like, I totally get it. Just don't even work. Like you need to just lay in bed and listen to sad music. I totally get it. Go do that. (laughs) And then, you know, they do it and they come back. They're like, I work till three in the morning. I got all this crazy stuff done. I made up all the time. I feel so good. I'm like, yes. (laughs) So I, I, I understand emotionally that, that feeling. And I also, because of like my game art background, I understand the pipeline and, like a while ago someone was like I did this thing and then in my head I'm like oh my god this system doesn't exist like you shouldn't have done that we need to Mm -hmm. like talk to this guy and set this up properly but that's just because I'm like hyper aware and I have to be yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
And I think that's great to have like such a like broad um, spectrum of interests and also like being able to like kind of dip your toes into them and get something out of that and then go back to that and also being able to um, have that freedom of doing that. Like you said, that you can now freelance and do that on the side. I feel like that's a great um, like addition to have in your life and think that's it. But how do you manage your time? Like that sounds like a, like a lot of work to do. But and then again, you're a producer, you have like, a, you know, you can do this and you like produce your own time in that sense. Yeah, pre-production life. Like before I went into production, I wouldn't have been able to do it, to be totally honest. Um, but because I think I'm I'm lucky in that my my career and my hobbies are separate if that makes sense and I'm very lucky that my hobby also happens to be something that people like to to purchase like (laughs) like, oh okay kind of sick so I, I think that's what keeps it separate like my like relax thing is like I'm gonna you know turn on the tv throw something on and work on this like freelance illustration yeah. or something and it's just like yeah. I'm so zen Mm -hmm. it's not work for me and I think that's what it is like it's and also I will say like not having social obligations is incredible with freeing up your time not commuting to work like I would take like the train and it takes like an hour or whatever Mm -hmm. and now it's like I don't have to you know that's two hours that I get back so yeah I mean like it's it's it's, um how do I even put this? I think it's so nice to be like a, a, a more well-rounded person in the end, you know, like, like having those experiences and having that separation from, you know, like what you're saying, your hobbies and your work life. I think it, I think it makes you like a better overall person to be around, like having that experience doing like freelance and having experience working with like cultural art and things like that. Like it all, it all makes you, you and that richer <laughs> person, you know, brings richness to yeah. the team that they're on so it, it can be kind of hard to like you know as an artist um from my point of view also is it can be kind of hard to let yourself be different and not only just do art you know but yeah um it, it's it's good for you it's like vegetables but more fun um I suppose like like making sure that you're doing stuff like that um so kind of moving on quickly into the final topic um uh, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about how you're hoping to bridge the gap between game engines and general media, which is um, kind of interesting to me, like, because like game engines are powerful things. And I feel like the more and more that people kind of like catch on to, you know, like Unreal Engine being able to be used for a bunch of things, the more we'll yeah. kind of see it, you know, like, like maybe stepping into like the film world or whatever so like like tell us a little bit about that like where's your mind at with that yeah so I think I'm very very lucky that I that I have the background in engines to kind of bridge the gap and we're slowly seeing like some artists like like on Twitter making really cool animated content like 2d stuff in blender but oh, like, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, you know, it's traditionally a game space, like a games tool. And so it's like super cool seeing, you know, these new perspectives from these tools. And it's like, oh, my God, like now Unreal Engine is like in a running in a car, like, you know, like all these, <laughs> like that's crazy. Or also they're doing a bunch of like, 
you know, the stuff with the Mandalorian yeah. that they did yeah. and all of that. It's incredible. And I, I think people don't understand that there is a connection there. And I know the whole, like, um, are games art argument? And I always say, no, they're not. Games are not art, but you can make it art, you know? Mm-hmm. And I that's what I'm excited for. And I hope more people like like us and like me who have this, um interest in both 2d and 3d art like i've obviously seen jasmine's work and it takes that like you encapsulate that perfectly right like the hand painted tuniness like if you screenshot it you'd think it was like painted but actually oh i can rotate this i can (laughs) i can explore this and look at all these little details and that's not possible in like in photoshop (laughs) right (laughs) and like the animations and stuff so easy to hook up in unreal and i can't wait for for when everyone is like ideally like maybe we're in vr and maybe we can walk around and oh this light needs to move to the left a little bit i'm in this space like that's so cool like that's what i i hope the direction we're going in so what about you guys like what do you find yourselves drawn to I think what you like touched upon that whole um, thing of bringing 2D into the 3D space is like a huge thing for me as well because I love traditional art and I started with traditional art but I wasn't like um, passionate about it in the sense that I would th- see myself being really good at it but then as soon as I discovered 3D I was like oh, I can kind of merge this and then be good at this and kind of um merge these passions that I have into something that I can actually reproduce into the ideas that I have in my head and bring them on like not on paper but (laughs) into like 3D and trick people maybe into thinking it's 2D and uh, Mm. having that tool is uh, super powerful and I think it also brings people from other spheres into like games Mm. and also this type of media because maybe people who are into traditional art or like architecture or paintings and stuff they would never consider using unreal or anything like that because it's so game focused but with it opening yeah. up that door it's uh can really enrich our industry too and our like art as a whole because we can all merge everything together in this huge part and be like inspired by each other yeah. and enrich each other in the whole process of that it's uh, much better i think it's uh that kind of Demo- like democratizing the whole thing <laughs> like uh, that yeah, the boundaries break apart yeah very well yeah that's very well put the the architecture <laughs> thing is a great example too yes it's a um, big thing <laughs> you know like this question is is hard for me to answer because i'm pretty new to this sphere in more ways than one not necessarily just like with like just starting freelance work or or, or whatever um i didn't start out trying to be a game artist at all i kind of became a game artist because game art was easy to find on Twitter and people were not, were not precious with the information that they knew. I went to school to try to become a character animator and work in animation. Actually, that's actually on my degree somewhere in this room. It actually says that I'm a character animator on paper. Um, And so what I actually wanted to do was more um, like, you know, like the classic, like I grew up with Disney films and Cinderella and like Pocahontas and things like that. And I wanted to affect other people the same way that those, you know, like cartoon films or 3D animated films affected me. So a lot of what I find um, kind of carries over into game art is I, in really simple terms, I really just care about what it makes you feel. 
and like trying to figure out why something makes me feel a certain way like mood matters a lot to me um uh my current work in progress i'll send it to you later is 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 going to the more like like moody sort of rich side um and i feel like if i can make you know someone feel something like make them feel like they're in the space that i'm in then that's really it because that's all i've really wanted you know um and i think that as as we move forward as an industry and more people kind of like realize um game engines potential we will have more opportunities to make people feel things that you know like they probably didn't think that they could feel before whether it's like through um video games or like vr experiences or anything like that or um like using a game engine to kind of help like like build bridge a gap between like film and other things like there's like a tremendous potential i think that um game art kind of holds that is just kind of now being pursued and unlocked so i think on my end like it's always it's always been about the art you know if the art is good and if it makes you feel something then like that's really all i i care about um which may not be an answer that some people like but it's fine because that's my answer (laughs) you know like that's that's all i'm here for you know um so yeah yeah, i guess i guess that answers your question um that's that's awesome because that's like the perfect (laughs) example of like i was in this space but then i discovered that this one opens more doors but i can it's like the same you know i can transition and whoa like that's so yeah. cool. I don't know. That's really <laughs> awesome that you came to that realization. Because yeah, it's yeah. like so cool when, when you play games or when you see an artwork and you can imagine yourself there or like feel like I'm going there. That's, I think, the best thing ever. That's like uh, being able to travel through space and time almost and uh, experience <laughs> yeah. being there. It's something magical about, I think, art and game art, especially because you can immerse yourself into a space yeah. that doesn't exist mm-hmm. maybe, but you ex- created it for the people and for yourself and i think that's um yeah makes you feel like a magician almost <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. and we all get to touch a little piece of it we all exactly. we all get to to make things happen for for other people so yeah. um yeah i think that's like a great place to end actually like that makes you feel that makes you feel things you guys all warm and fuzzy um but yeah like like that was that was great and you know um just want to say for people listening you can find yes on twitter and her website we will be including those links in the description box below uh so you can keep up with them and find out all the cool things that they're doing um and, and keep an eye on it so thanks you thanks for coming on and talking to us and hanging out Thank yeah you this so is much. great you guys are so fun to talk to. I, oh, I, I hope it sounds so like formal. I hope we can continue to be friends and have oh, a good conversation. Yes, for sure. It's been really yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Like, like we're, we're, tra- we're trying to make this um, podcast, podcast like a, a refreshing space, you know? Yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad that you, you feel about it um, yes, that way. That's, that's- it's the best compliment we could get. Um, yeah, oh. brings us back to that old fuzzy and warm, wholesome feel. 
to leave this spot. You live here now. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We had such a great time with you. And um, if anyone listening would like to suggest someone to join us on the podcast, someone who's a great positive force in the community, uh, along with being great at what they're doing, please send us an email at allinclusive podcast at gmail.com that's all inclusive no spaces pdcst at gmail.com there can be a 2d artist a 3d artist community manager someone who works in qa we're open to having anyone come on here and talk to us and have a cozy chat <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so thank you for joining us for another episode of All Inclusive. We hope that you have had as much fun listening to us as we do talking. You can find us on a couple so different social media channels, uh, which you can find in the description box below. And that's most likely going to include Twitter, YouTube, and Spotify. Thanks again. And we hope you'll enjoy join us for another episode of All Inclusive. <laughs>